Hey, welcome to Evangel Church Online, a safe place for everyone to explore faith in Jesus. And today I want you to consider the question, who do you call in when you're out of your depth? Hey, welcome back. My name is Lucas. I'm one of the pastors here at Evangel Church in beautiful Powell River, British Columbia. And so if you have not visited uh, this summer, uh, we're open for business. We'd love to see you come on up here if you live outside of the region. If you do live here, you know, you know how good it is. Um, I asked the question earlier, who do you call in when you're out of your depth? Who do you call in when you don't know what to do, when you don't have the skill or the information or the ability to accomplish something set before you. Who do you call in? You know, when you like, when you need a character reference for your resume, job hunting, who, who do you call in to advocate for you? Advocate for your character. Uh, when, when in the world of personal finance, things get a little bit complicated. Who, who do you call in to be your advisor around your finances? Uh, when, when you're working on that home project and you come across something that you need to move and it's just too big to do by yourself, who do you call in to be your, to be your helper in that moment? You know, for me, usually the way it works is I, I have all these like hobbies. I get into all these things, but I'm not like really a master of anything. Uh, so uh, motorcycling, I love, I love my bike and, and I love even like wrenching on my bike, working on my bike. But Often what'll happen is I'll get in the middle, I'll watch a YouTube video, think, oh, that's pretty easy, I can do that. And then I'll get in the middle of the project and, and I'll come across something where I just, I'm out of my depth. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to deal with this, this, this bolt or this thing. Or, and so then what do I do? I make a phone call to a number of people who have way more experience and understanding than I do. I call someone in in that moment to help me out. You know, when it comes to church and, and uh, leading and, and, and moving forward and vision in the future, things can get complicated. This last two and a half years has been complicated. So there's times where I don't know what I'm doing. I hate to break it to you, uh, Lisa, myself, Martin, like we don't know what we're doing. And so we call people in. We call in people wiser and more experienced with greater understanding to help give us some perspective so we can see the trees in the forest, who do you call in when things are just too hard to do on your own? We're in a series called the Gospel of John. Uh, we are in chapter 14, jumping into verse 15. So if you have your Bible, why don't you turn there with us? John 14, verse 15. And we're going to kind of just go right to the end of the chapter today. But if you do not have a Bible and you want to track with us today, why don't you just visit myevangel.church forward slash Bible and we want to resource you with a digital Bible right away. Right now, you can pause this video, get it right now. But if you're in the Powell River region, we would love to get you a hard copy Bible as well. And so there's information on that page to do that. So verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Lord, as we dig into your word today, would you reveal truth to us? Holy Spirit, we're going to learn about you today. Would you come and be our teacher? Would you be our guide in truth? Would you reveal the word to us? In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Now, this passage alone could take all day to unpack. There's so much going on here, but I want to just focus in on two things. So the first is Jesus defines love here. Let's read it again. If you love me, you will what? Keep my commandments. So love is defined as obedience to Jesus' teaching, example, and way. Love, according to Jesus, is word and deed. It's a confession of your mouth authenticated by the actions of your life. In, in fact, a little later in verse 21, he says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. I, I love this verse because it unpacks the consequences of this kind of love. Um, let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt far from God? Have you ever felt like you were disconnected, you know what I mean, relationally with God? Now, there's a number of reasons this might be. You know, sometimes God leads us into desert places, places like that are dry spiritually, because he's leading us to put down deeper roots. He's leading us and he's preparing us for greater things ahead. But sometimes the desert moments and seasons of our soul are self-induced. Sometimes they are a result of us not loving God as he defines it, both in word and deed, both in confession and action. When that happens, can I encourage you, if you're at that place, would you consider this promise right here? Let, let, me, let me read this again. I want you to consider what's going on here. Verse 21, John 14, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and, underline this, manifest myself to him. And I love that, that this idea that Jesus will manifest himself to the ones who love him as defined by words and deeds, confession of the mouth, but also the actions of one's life, submitting oneself to the way and the purpose and, and, and the ways of Jesus. And there's a spiritual principle at play to love God in this way. He then promises this manifestation. And the word manifest here means in the Greek to, to reveal or make known. So if you're in a dry season, a dry kind of desert moment, perhaps you need to consider and discern, Lord, is this self-induced? Is this a result of me letting all sorts of other things crowd out this idea of pursuing not just the knowledge of God, but pursuing the wisdom, the, the activation, the living out of that knowledge in my life? And I, I believe for some of you, if you walk that out, if you begin to take that journey, God will reveal some places that need to come into alignment with his way and his word. And the result of you submitting your life to that is you will begin to sense and know the manifest presence of Jesus in your life again. The revealed, the made known presence of Jesus with you. Now, I said earlier, there's so much going on in this verse. And the second reality, I said there's two things that we wanted to dig in. The second thing is we realize 
just how fundamentally underqualified we are to love God in this kind of way. Right now, we've just talked about loving God and, and word and deed, but, but Jesus is speaking to these disciples in a context where these disciples have lived with him day in and day out, in the public eye and the private eye. They've seen everything about Jesus' life, and they've seen him to be perfectly consistent in character, perfectly consistent, consistent in living out the spirit of the law without any kind of missteps. He's holy in both the public eye, but also when they watch him and see him and, and follow him in private as well. He serves with compassion. You know, just, just before that, he, he washed the feet of the disciples. He walked in this like awesome kind of moment of humility as he served his disciples. He, he walked in a way that defied social norms around him. And, and I want you to just consider the tension that perhaps the disciples, just like us, are feeling in this moment. Jesus is saying, love is both word and obedience. It's both confessing you believe, but also having your life reflect, authenticate that confession in the way you now live. But, but the, the, the standard is so impossible. The standard of Jesus, he do, he's done it perfectly. And so the disciples are caught in this moment of tension and we are too. Love God, how do we love God in this way? We are so underqualified to love God in this way. And it's this moment, it's in this tension that Jesus introduces us to what he calls another parakletos, another paraclete. We, we in our translations, there's, there's, we're going to get into this, but he's referencing the Holy Spirit that is going to be poured out onto the earth after his ascension. And so there's this moment in this tension, this impossible calling to love God in both word and deed, in confession and authenticating it with our actions, that Jesus introduces us to the parakletos, the Holy Spirit. Verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. My translation says helper. Yours might say something a little different. We're going to get into that. To be with you forever. Notice Jesus says another helper, a parakletos. The, the implication is the Holy Spirit is to us what Jesus was to the disciples. Jesus is implying that he is a parakletos to those around him, right? Those that he's leading, those that he's teaching, those that crowd around him during the day. He is a parakletos. He's a called in one. But also we have this moment where he's saying, I'm sending the Holy Spirit another parakletos, another helper, another comforter, another advocate that's going to come and be with you. In the English Standard Version, the word is translated uh, helper. Now, that's the translation I'm reading from today. But if you're reading in the New International Version, uh, it'll be advocate. You know, I'll send another advocate. Uh, in the King James, the old King Jimmy, it's comforter. I'll send you another comforter. Now, you might ask, why... Why is this parakletos word, this Greek word parakletos, why don't they have a standardized kind of translation for it? Why don't we have one word in the English language that represents this word parakletos? And, and the, the reason we don't is because there actually isn't 
a word in the English language that really captures the essence of what this word means. The, the best translation I could find was a called in one, a called in one. But, but the implications of what this means changes depending on what he's called in for, right? Um, we were talking about who do you call, right? Well, who you call is going to be different depending on the circumstance, the, depending on what you need, right? If it's financial advice, you're not going to call Uncle Joe. You're going to call a financial advisor. If it's help moving that thing in the dark, you might call Uncle Joe. But here's, here's the thing. We're, we're, it, it, it's very dependent on what he's being called in for. Barclay writes this. It really means someone who is called in. But it is the reason why the person is called in which gives the word its distinctive associations. The Greeks use the word in a wide variety of ways. The uh, parakletos might be a person called in to give witness in a law court in someone's favor. Or an advocate called in to plead the cause of someone under a charge which would issue a serious penalty. An expert called in to give advice in some difficult situation or... A person called in when, for example, a company of soldiers were depressed and dispirited to put new courage into their minds and hearts. Always, a parakletos is someone called in to help in time of trouble or need. I, I asked you the question earlier, who do you call in when you're out of your depth? When, when you don't have what it takes? Are, are you beginning to see the, the power of this moment? the power of this introduction that Jesus is making. Jesus defines what loving God looks like in an impossible way. And it's in this tension, in this realization that we don't have what it takes, that he introduces another parakletos, another helper, advocate, comforter, called in one to lead us through this life of pursuing Jesus in love. The person of the Holy Spirit is the one sent to give us grace and strength to begin loving God in both word and deed. And in the next while, we're going to see that Jesus kind of really begins to unpack the, the, the function and the person of the Holy Spirit as he is handing off this moment to the Spirit as he is looking towards the cross and towards his ascension and his exaltation and the leaving of earth before him. Verse 17, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live and also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Now, when we first read this uh, we, we might read it in, in a very extremely exclusionary kind of language. You know, the world cannot receive him, but you will. <laughs> right? The world cannot receive him, but you will. To, to understand this, we need to kind of understand the word that we translate to world in the English from the Greek. And the word is cosmos. It means to set in order. And, and I think in a lot of ways, Jesus is not speaking in terms of the physical world, he's talking in terms of a mentality, a mindset of a segment of the world. You know, this idea that those who have set in order their lives, 
with no room for God, they won't see him. The, the world, in other words, is, is a kind of a paradigm that has no room for God. You don't find what you're not looking for. But we also know the opposite to be true. Uh, Matthew writes 7, 7 to 8, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. You know, this distinction between the world and those who believe, it, it's not an act of exclusion. It's simply a description of a reality. But the work of the called in one, the work of the spirit in this context is convincing us that we have a heavenly father. We are not orphans deserted by Jesus when he ascended. And the disciples are going to look back on this moment and they're going to realize that they were not left alone. That Jesus did not desert them, but rather he sent the spirit to comfort and to advocate and to lead them and guide them and empower them. He is the spirit of adoption. In fact, just as Jesus was in the Father, so he will be in us. The, the work of the Spirit is bringing Jesus into our lives to take up residence, to tabernacle in us as temples of the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God in us. And this is kind of a fantastic progression because in the Old Testament, we see the tabernacle was uh, this tent of meeting. It had the the Ark of the Covenant in it, which represented the presence of God. But only the priests could interact. Only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies. And so there's this idea, this kind of concept of this geographically limited place that was set up. And it was limited in terms of who could actually be in the presence of God. But then it progresses to Jesus. Jesus comes and he shakes up the paradigm. He shakes up this moment. He comes and he completes the law and the prophets. And now he calls us all those in Christ priests. But not only just priests, but we're also temples of the Holy Spirit. And so we walk and live and breathe as temples of the very presence of God and priests that can come right into the Holy of Holies and know him intimately. Let's continue in verse 22. Judas, not Iscariot, <laughs> make that distinction, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words and the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. Again, this, this kind of categorization is at play. Judas picks up on this idea that there's those who will know the manifest presence and those who won't. And Jesus wants to make this clear. This becomes essentially an unpacking of an idea presented to us earlier in the Gospels when he says, love the Lord your God with all your mind, soul, and strength. Pursue this purpose and you will know God and be known by him. Don't and there is a categorization of those who don't know God and as a consequence won't know eternal life. Friend, wherever you're at in life and faith, perhaps you're exploring faith with us. Um, can I recommend you take a moment, a season of your life to really seek, knock and ask the biggest kind of existential questions of this world? 
Can, can I ask you not to ignore the still small voice of the Spirit speaking to you? Because there are categorizations within this life. There is a heaven and a hell. There is those who will know God and those who will not, willfully will not. My prayer is that you would seek him and find him, that you would know him, that, that he will answer um, as you seek and ask these questions. He will reveal Jesus to you, that Jesus will be revealed, manifested to you so that you can have this moment of walking into life with him. Verse 25, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Here, here Jesus unpacks in more detail the called in function of the Holy Spirit. He will be your teacher. He will remind you of truth so that you can live it. He will reveal the teachings of Jesus to your heart. He'll remind you in the day-to-day of, of, of the wise and right and godly thing. He's called in to be your teacher and your guide. But, but more than that, not just a teacher that kind of, you know, the teacher that stands at the front of the class and just lectures and then kind of leaves you to do your own thing. No, he's a teacher that stands at the front of the class, lectures, lets you know the knowledge, but then walks with you, takes extra time with you, does whatever he can to serve you in living it out giving you grace and strength to live it out, to do it, to love God in the way that is both word and an authentication of action in your life. Peace I leave with you, verse 27. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Um, I can't help but kind of read into a double meaning here. Jesus is speaking of peace in, in broader terms than simply um, this kind of peace of mind. He's speaking to this reality of the Spirit as the called in one as our peace. Comforter, some translations say. But when, when we use the word comforter, uh, back in the 14th century, it was Wycliffe who first translated Paracletos to comforter. And, and in the 14th century... It worked, but the meaning of the word for us within our culture has changed significantly. And so it doesn't quite work anymore because when we think of comfort, we think of being removed from pain and struggle. But comfort in the context that this is coming from is actually a empowering and encouraging in the midst of pain and struggle. Barclay writes, in the Bible, the word for peace, shalom, never means simply the absence of trouble. It means everything which makes for our highest good. The peace which the world offers us is the peace of escape, the peace which comes from the avoidance of trouble and from refusing to face things. The peace which Jesus offers us is the peace of conquest. No experience of life can ever take it from us. And no sorrow no danger, no suffering can ever make it less. It is independent of external consequences. You know, we've talked a lot about having an eternal perspective because it helps us put temporary seasons in our lives in the right light. It gives us perspective. Jesus himself kind of gives us the greatest example of this. When he says this um, further down in verse 30, he says, I will no longer talk much with you. For the ruler of this world is coming. 
He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. What's he about to do? He's about to go to the cross. He's about to be sacrificed for the world. He's about to suffer a painful death. And yet the peace that he references here is not the peace of knowing that won't happen. It's in, in fact the peace of knowing that despite that happening, he is victorious. Um, have you ever PVR'd a game? Um, and then you've had somebody kind of, you haven't had a chance to watch it. And then somebody tells you the final score. Uh, that is, I don't know. I guess there's more things upsetting than that, but that's kind of the top of my list. But you definitely watch the game differently, right? When you don't know the score, when you've PVR'd it, even though the game has already happened and you, the outcome is already decided, if you don't know the score, you watch it still with this heightened sense of ups and downs and, and uncertainty and, and anxiety and fear and, and uh, <laughs> excitement. But the moment you know the score, it changes the way you watch the game. There's kind of a, there's kind of a peace that you have because you know the final outcome. So when they're down by a touchdown, you know that somehow, some way, they make it back and they are victorious. The peace that Jesus is talking about here, it's, it's not a removal from suffering because he was about to get nailed to a cross. His peace was found in the victory already won. You know, the, the, the conquest, despite the battle, the, the victory in spite of the war. The, the Spirit of God is the one we call in when we need peace. We call in in moments of the storm and the tribulation and the persecution and the, the hard things of life. And He gives us Peace. He reminds us that the war is already won against the enemy. He gives us an eternal perspective, which allows us to put our temporary situation into the right light. And in that we find peace. I love how this moment in the Gospel of John ends. At the very end of verse 31, it just simply says this, Rise. Jesus says, rise, let us go from here. Rise, let us go from here. And I think this is so much more than just a simple statement of, um, hey, let's get up and let's go somewhere else. I think there's kind of this prophetic moment here, this new journey for both Jesus and his disciples. Let's rise up and go from here. Let's walk in now to this new reality that I've been telling you about. I'm, I'm going to ask you to just kind of take a moment with me to kind of rise up in your own soul, in your own life, in your own perspective, whatever's going on. I don't know where you're at. And I want you to consider, are you loving God? Now, not is your confession that you love God. Are you loving God as defined by Jesus? Do you love God in both your confession, but also the authenticating in the way you live your life? Are you submitting yourself to him in a way that aligns your heart around the ways and the purposes and, 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 and the plans of God for you? Do you love God? Do you love God? But in that tension, as you consider 
how hard that is to overcome some of the things that maybe aren't in alignment, would you consider this person of the Holy Spirit that Jesus introduces us to? This called in one who will help you, help you not just remind you of what the right thing or the wise thing is, but to actually give you grace and strength to live it out, to do it, to walk it, to authenticate your confession of love with the way that you live your life. That's the purpose of the Spirit. He comes and he serves humanity in this way, just as Jesus served humanity and brought out the best in his disciples. Another parakletos, a called in one, to help us, to comfort us, to give us peace, to correct us, to teach us, to lead us, to guide us. So Lord, as we dig in to this moment, God, would you give us an eternal perspective? Would you reveal to us the person of the Holy Spirit, this, this other helper, this one who is to us what you were to your disciples in the first century. This one who leads and guides us in truth. This one who gives us grace and strength and manifests Jesus in us, makes us part of this family. This one who, who is the spirit of adoption, makes us part of this eternal life in Christ. But we want to love you. We want to love you. Sometimes, man, the way you define love, Lord, is hard. And we want to love you. We want to walk in that way. But Lord, we need the Spirit to do it. So today, would you come? Would you strengthen us? Would you, Holy Spirit, manifest Jesus to us as we take steps to loving God in a way that confesses our love, but also authenticates it with the way we live. And Lord, may our lives reveal Jesus to those around us as a result. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, everyone, thank you so much for being with us. Stick with us for just a couple of announcements. God bless. Pastor Lucas for that message and that reminder of how vital the Holy Spirit is to our walk with Jesus today. Well, I have a few announcements for you this morning. The first is that we have a membership class coming up on February 23rd at 6.30 p.m. And if you've ever wondered kind of what membership entails, it is part of the governance of Evangel Church as we are a BC society. And so our members are the ones who come together to do important things like decide on our board of directors for the church, but it also is a point of accountability for us as leadership that we are walking out the theology, the mission, and the values that we have been called to as Evangel Church. So if you want to know more, make sure that you're here at the church February 23rd at 6 
8.30 p.m. Well, the next thing that we have is Growth Track 401. And if you're watching this online, then you might have not known that this was something that was happening here in person, but we want to invite you there. Growth Track 401 is all about the dream team and how to get involved in the different ministries and aspects of Evangel Church as a whole. It's a great next step to your faith. And so if you're watching this online, to be at the Growth Track 401 class and you don't have had to do 101, 201, or 301, just come next Sunday, February 27th, and it will be right after the Sunday morning service. We would love to see you there. Well, part of what we do as the missions portion of Evangel Church is we support different organizations and people that are spreading the good news of Jesus around the world. And one of those organizations that we are thrilled to partner with is the News Bay Camp. And as you've heard us say, we are part owners of this camp. And so we want to be part of what they're doing this summer. We want to invest into them as they invest into the next generation. So there are three ways that you can do that right now. The first is that we have our fundraising campaign going to be able to build some stairs so we can use one of the loft spaces that becomes like a dorm space uh, that hasn't been used for the past couple of years because the stairs have got to a point where they're unsafe. We also want to replace some of the basketball um, hoops that are kind of getting decrepit and just make that game a little more fun because it's a center point of camp. We have got to the point where we are a third of the way to our goal. So thank you so much for giving, but we have $5,000 left to raise. And so if you wanna give, I'm gonna talk about that with giving in just a moment. The second way that you can partner with what we're doing with what Nanus is doing is by marking on your calendars a tentative April and May serve day. And we are going to be sending a team to go down to Nanus Bay Camp and to bless it by installing those things that we're fundraising to be able to build and deep clean the camp. <laughs> it sits empty for so many months that it really does take a team effort to make sure that that campground is ready for the kids that are going to be coming on July 6th. The last way that you can get involved in camp is by joining one of our missions teams. And we have three missions teams that go to Nanus Bay Camp in the summer. One for kids camp, one for mids camp, preteens, and one for highs camp or teen camp. And if you would like to be part of that, you can email me, lisa at evangelpc.com, and we'll send you all of the information as well as the application package. Because it is working with minors, obviously there is a little bit of a process, a screening process that all volunteers have to go through. But if you're thinking like, I really don't wanna be one-on-one -on -one with kids in a cabin, there's still a place for you. We have a kitchen team, we have a dishwashing crew, we have a cleaning crew that they just go around and make sure bathrooms are tidy and the toilet paper is refilled and all of those things. And so you can be as hands-on or hands-off as you want to be and still bless the next generation that are coming to learn about Jesus at camp. So we look forward to partnering with Nanu. so we hope that you will join us in that.
Well, as I mentioned, there are so many ways to be able to give, and we believe that generosity makes room in our hearts for others. And so not only are we making room in our heart for our church family, but we have the opportunity to make room in our heart for kids we haven't even met as they get ready to go to the new Spay camp. You can give online right now at myevangel.church forward slash give and you'll see a little icon. Um, it's like a bluey green circle. If you click on that, you can give online right now. There are all of these different drop downs and one of those is Nanus Bay Camp. And so if you did want to give towards camp, you can just drop that down, fill in the amount and we will make sure that every cent of that gets to those fundraising projects. But I wanna thank you for your generosity towards the general budget of Evangel Church as well. You allow us to continue doing the day-to-day -day work of the ministry that God has set forth for his church to do here in Powell River. So thank you for being part of that. I pray that you have an amazing week as you walk step in step with the Holy Spirit and allow him to reveal the deeper truths of who God is to your heart.